This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. Another episode, episode number 90, man. We find ourselves back at home. Kind of crazy. It's a nice break. It is, for sure, man. Well, this is your boy, East Coast Trev, and... This is Steve. Man, I wondered where you were going to go with that. I wasn't really sure. It's probably better that I don't. So we probably just leave that one alone and we'll keep on chugging. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, it is what it is, man. I'm I'm really excited about this podcast. And, and you guys will kind of see as it kind of goes through the paces that we had technical difficulties. The first one out of 90 podcasts that we had a serious technical Not true. difficulty. Second. Why? What was the other one? Caitlin Moss. Oh, we had Remember, to record. The intro yeah. didn't it didn't settle. Yeah, but that's okay. So. We but that one was an easy fix. This one we lost the whole entire episode. Yeah, well. Which I, was I kind trying of to give some credit, you know, make myself feel better because that's on me, man. I screwed that. Well, yeah. my equipment screwed that up. It happens, bro. I've been I've been in them shoes. I've lost them before and it was my equipment, right? So that I get it and I understand it. But we've made the best of it. We're here now. We're doing it. How did you do this week on the bow hunting league shoot, bro? Uh, I saw the numbers that you threw up, and I was a little well. Like, so what happened? Let, let me walk you through it. I I got home from the shoot, and I went to check my bow, make sure everything was right, right. And I took the ritual, and I fired thirty five arrows at the range prescribed, at the targets prescribed, and I had one X out of thirty five shots. Jeez. My group, you. my group was eight inches. Wow. And I instantly walked in here and I ripped components off that bow and I put them on an old Bowtech carbon icon because I was over it. I was done. It, it let me down with Doris. It let me down with Curly. And then it couldn't shoot a freaking group to save my life, which I don't know. I'll, I I got a feeling I'm going to have to cam tune and paper tune and all that all over again, but I didn't want to deal with it. So I threw all my components back on this old Bowtech and went out and got it close. And, you know, I was rushed for time. I ran a 12-hour shift at one park this morning, ran a four-hour shift at the other park this afternoon, came home, literally grabbed the bow, shot two arrows, made sure it was close, threw the target up and shot. So 45 yards, one-inch group. I was three and five eighths inch out. Wow. That hurt. But you notice my first weekend was 45 yards at a one inch and I was over three inches out too. I think 45 yards just has a freaking bite on me. It's my new curse. Yeah, it happens, bro. It is what it is. I haven't even shot it yet. I'm going to shoot it. I meant to shoot it today and then things kind of got a hold of me. So I'll get over to the range tomorrow and I'll shoot that. I'm excited because. I get to shoot it with a synergy. Last week I shot it with a cure. So I'm going to shoot it with a synergy. And then I'm hoping I got a little bit of change going on too, just like yourself. I mean, you had the bow tech and you changed to that. I'm actually going to change to um, obsession fusion oh, snap. seven. Yeah. yeah. You, you're hearing it here first. And now we're, we're both not shooting a leech right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, I love that's my the first elite. time since our show started that we've had to say that. Yeah, I mean, I love my elite. You know, I just wanna, I wanna branch out and try different things, man. I've had this, I've had this obsession sitting, um, in in the gun room forever, and I just, 
I think it's time to put it together, man. I want to try something a little bit different. I love my synergy. Probably the bow that I'll probably take with me all season. Um, I just want to build this other bow, and I, I sold the cure, so I'm kind of in between um, possibly buying a new bow. I just don't know which route I want to go. I mean, if someone has an opinion or something, let me know. I mean, reach out. Let me know. I, I really I, – I'm kind of torn, man. I'm going to go and I'm shoot a bunch you. of bows. I fully plan to go spend a day in the shop and shoot everything side by side. Yeah. And, and when I find the right there. one, whatever feels good for me, man, that's what I'm going. Doesn't matter if it's an elite. Yeah. It may be a Matthews. It may be a PSE. It may be a Hoyt. I doubt it's a Hoyt. I'll be honest. But yeah. See, like, and I don't want to go down that route, but I'm going to real quick. Is Hoyt shooters are like the the Mustangs of of muscle cars, right? Like, if you <laughs> if you shoot if you shoot a Hoyt, you're like the muscle car. You're like the the Mustang guy, right? Because like the Mustang guy's got his grease back hair, his leather jacket, and he's like the tough guy in the corner, right? And I have that. That's my outlook on the Hoyt shooters. Not that it's true, but like I just laugh because if like you're a Hoyt, you're a diehard Hoyt guy. Either you love Hoyt or you hate him. You know, like it's there's no in between on those ones. But I'm I'm myself. I'm gonna go down there, man. I'm gonna shoot every single bow. I'm kind of honestly. There's two bows I definitely want to put next to each other. I want to shoot the Matthews, um, I, their new one, and I want to shoot Bowtech's new one. Honestly, um, I've heard good reviews, and people have kind of led me down that that realm. So, so, and, and it's shot. funny because when I really got into the archery game, I I really dove behind Bowtech, really? mainly because of the support they gave to veterans. Really, and, and I didn't even know that. Like some of their original bows was, you know, the 101st Airborne, the 82nd Airborne. Oh, yeah. Their bow right. models. You know, they named their bows after military units. That's amazing. And, and that's that was my main catch. You know, it mm -hmm. wasn't how they shot or anything. I'm going, okay, well, I'm in the military and they're supporting our units. Yeah, I'll buy one of them. Absolutely. And they, they shot really well. I'm not going to lie. Guys love them. But again, that's one of those things. It's almost a niche that you get in and you shoot them and you like them or you don't. And I haven't shot their last two years models. So it'll be interesting to see what this new one does. So it's kind of, for me, it's like, it's Dodge Chevy Ford, right? So like, they're all <laughs> the same. They really all in honesty. Yeah. I mean, they all have their quirks, right? They, they, they all have good things about them and bad things about them. Like Dodge has a crappy transmission. Fords have, you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's the same with Bose, man. It's Dodge Ford Chevy, in my opinion, because it's whatever you like. They're all great bows. And now, I mean, they, they all have their pluses and minuses to them. It's just what you like, man. And you should be shooting what you're comfortable with, in my opinion. Yep. And I just want to step out on that limb and I want to try something different. Yeah. Go shoot and see what feels good. I've been a diehard, I've been a diehard elite guy forever. Yeah. But I you've think been, the, you started with a, you're shooting the echelon, dude. I, no, I will synergy. I, or yeah. Sorry. You're shooting the synergy. I, while you were here last year for turkey season, I picked up that bow and shot a freaking wedding ring at 20 yards with it first shot. It's it's an amazing it's, bow. It's a shooter's bow. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had a bunch of bows. I mean, back in the day, they had a ton. You know, I, I used to shoot a mission, uh, not craze, one of their other ones, but that's what I shot before I shot elites. I love them. You know, they I, I think there's a ton of good bows out there, man. It's whatever you make of them, honestly. So I just want to go on the limb and try something different. And that's you should do that with all products, in my opinion. Yes. Go out there and try every single thing that there is and then see what the goods and the bads of them are, you know, like and, and ask other people's opinions and stuff, whether it's saddles, whether it's sticks, whether it's what whatever it is. I mean, guns, ammunition. I mean, you should try everything because everybody makes a good product out there, in my opinion. Whatever we say is good doesn't mean that it could be good for you. It's just what well we said. like, you well know, said. I mean, it, that's the truth of it, man. Like we can, you know, I, I could rant and rave about one thing and how I love it and it's the best. Right. But that's just for me, man. It might not be for you. It's just something I like. It might work with my system on how I do things. It might work because I had good luck with it. You might not. You could have a spy point camera in Virginia and things suck. I use them here and they work. You know, you might use a Spartan cam because you get better. You got to try everything, man. You got to see what works for you. I mean, it's um, my opinion is only an eighth of what it should be for everybody else. But no, sorry, I'm just a little, little fired up, fired up. But 
Um, if you guys haven't already, just make sure to hit the subscribe notification button for us here. YouTube, um, all the podcast platforms, so on and so forth. Five-star review on iTunes would be greatly appreciated. Um, what do you think, man? Let's get down to business on everything real quick. Let's do it, man. Go ahead and roll into it. All right. So Gator Outdoors, uh, outfitting the working class, GatorOutdoors.com. Use promo code OUTDOORDRIVE25. If you guys haven't gotten over there, they have their kill cap going on this week uh, again. And uh, get that before the season ends up starting. You buy a hat, you get a T-shirt when you kill and take a picture with that. Uh, Nor'easter Game Calls, nor'eastergamecalls.com. They are your custom call company. Get them in close. Uh, we have the Outdoor Drive Series. That should be going live. If it's not already, it will be live here shortly. Once Mike Mark gets back from fishing, uh, he's up in the mountains of somewhere, fooling off and not working. Always, always, Marky Mark. But we got that custom... Uh, um, elder Elderboro Fox Elderboro uh, calls with the Brazilian wood on them there. Custom, custom, beautiful, once in a lifetime pieces. So go on and get those over there at nor'eastergamecalls.com. You can also go to the outdoordrive.com and on there, click their link in the partnership. All of these. Uh, also, Timber Tumblers, timbertumblers.com. They have your custom tumbler, tim, timber tumblers. That's always a tongue twister <laughs> for me. I get this at me every time. Um, we have the outdoor drive series. You can also get any of your logos on those. Also check in with Mr. Jason himself. And last but not least, um, out on the limb, out on the limb manufacturing. So it's out on the limb, mfg.com. If you go on the other one, it's like some Etsy something I messed up. So you got to make sure to put the MFG on the back of it. Um, they make all your custom, um, camera arms. They now have the hush, um, the hush, tree stand and then they have a bunch of saddle accessories as far as the shikar sticks which are one of the best in my opinion they are the best um and also their platforms the podium the ridge runner and um also the rotten roost so go and check them out out on the limb mfg and uh yeah that's them dude that's the boys they support us um none of them are paid sponsors i want to make that very clear that these are just people that we believe in that we work with every single week because we love them and they do great stuff for us so awesome well it, yeah huh i mean it's just great i mean in, you, we, <laughs> those are the guys that we work with those are the people that we we support man every single week so go and check them out and like i said you can get on our website and check them out over there so all the links are there possible outstanding well i do hear something coming in you want to do me a favor and go ahead and crank that sucker up cranked up everyone, Mike here with some news for your crews. We're going to start this off with an update from Idaho, where a few weeks uh, back I reported on new wolf hunting and trapping seasons that had passed the state Senate. Well, Senate Bill 1211 is now state law, and last week the Idaho Fish and Game Commissioners uh, announced or amended the state rules and seasons to reflect the changes that allow for year-round wolf trapping on private property, unlimited purchase of wolf tags, and revised methods uh, of take that include any methods already permitted for any wild canine not previously allowed for wolves. Uh, the new seasons take effect on July 1st, and an updated brochure that includes these changes will be available on the Idaho Department of Fish and Games website by that date. Wolf hunting seasons will remain unchanged on public lands, except for expanding hunting methods from November 1st through March 31st in specific areas. Now to Springfield, Illinois where the city council passed an ordinance on June 15th legalizing archery deer hunting in some parts of the city. The ordinance will only be applicable on some city properties near Lake Springfield. The Department of Natural Resources will oversee the program and regulate where it happens, and you must apply for the program through the DNR. Uh, the hunting seasons in the areas would be for the month of September and for the second half of December, and the ordinance is in effect until the end of 2024. So another good opportunity in Illinois for archery hunters. So now off to Arizona uh, and another update on a hot topic of trail camera ban, where previously I had uh, reported on the original ban proposal, which was a blanket ban on all trail cameras and a modified proposal, uh, which were both being considered. At the Arizona Game and Fish Department Commission meeting on June 11th, 
despite 31 of 49 people speaking against the trail camera ban, the commission voted unanimously 5-0 to zero to ban the use of trail cameras uh, to help in taking of animals. The concern is that the use of cameras don't give the animals a fair chance, and the Game and Fish Department contends the, the use of trail cameras has become an increasing source of conflict between and amongst hunters, <clears throat> and that frequent visits to check trail cameras cause disturbance to wildlife and habitat. So that ban will begin January 1st, 2022, unfortunately. Hopefully we don't see this as a snowball effect uh, and expanding to other states. So now to PA, uh, where more sunny, Sunday hunting opportunities may be on the horizon. Last year, three Sundays were approved for various hunting activities. And now Senate Bill 607 has been introduced, which would remove the current restrictions on Sunday hunting and give the Game Commission the authority to make all decisions uh, related to hunting on Sundays. The Game Commission reported that the three Sunday hunting days uh, contributed to an increase in over 25,000 license sales last year. The bill was voted out of the Senate Game and Fisheries Committee last week and now heads to the full Senate for a vote uh, at a date to be determined. So any of you that hunt PA, I suggest you start flooding your state reps and senators with emails supporting this bill uh, to try to get those restrictions lifted in Pennsylvania for hunting. Lastly, we head to Vermont, where the state has partnered with the National Wild Turkey Federation to get feedback from hunters on the 2021 season in order to manage and learn about the turkey population in the state. You can access the survey at www.surveymonkey.com slash r slash vt turkey survey. Um, awesome to try to get some feedback for that state and hopefully be able to manage their seasons um, and their turkey population a little better. Um, so if you do hunt that state, please go and fill out that survey to help them out uh, with that. As always, if you have any news, please send it along to me. Uh, you can reach out to me on Facebook at Mike Salter or on Instagram at bearded underscore bowhunter21. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. Mikey Mike. Always loving Mike, man. Dude's always busy too, man. What He sent this a picture the other day. What was he doing? He was doing <laughs> mulch with the baby on his chest. I mean, multitasking. Had to take, crazy dude. Had to take time off work to mulch while babysitting. <laughs> Dad. What a nutcase. Dad life. Yeah, I mean, it's great. And he keeps doing it, and he keeps the podcast going, man. So, And like I said, dude, send him your news. Um, get get something out there. Help help the boy out. But For sure. Well, you touched on the bows and switching around and getting on and trying other things. And this episode is a real good opportunity to dive into new options in the saddle world. Yeah. So. And it's something that we did, man. We made the switch. We, yeah. We're going to try these new saddles out and, you know, see what they got going on. Yeah, because, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, if you have one saddle and you want to talk about it and you talk it up and you tell everyone it's the shit, but you'd never tried another saddle, you know, here's your chance. It's the same. It's the same thing, honestly, with me hunting high fence, going in and hunting a f high fence area, right? I went in to do it because how am I going to tell everybody else about it if I don't know about it, right? So you got to be able to be versatile and go out and try different things. So in this episode, we're going to have the boys from Latitude Outdoors. Yes, sir. And I'm looking forward to it because, man, this thing looks comfy. These boys are good people, too. Somebody we support. 100%. Let's go ahead and bring them on. Shot. Here comes a shooter. Shooter. Big buck. Stack, stack, stack. We're back on the line with the guys from Latitude Outdoors. How you guys doing tonight? What's up, guys? Awesome. Good. Thanks for having us. 
We appreciate you guys taking the time. I know you guys are kind of busy with the new launch and everything kind of going on. It's It's been kind of busy to make the time and get back. Yeah. Things have been a little crazy, but uh, we love talking to you guys. So thanks for having us. Absolutely. Well, why don't we just go down the line and uh, introduce you guys self. Uh, tell, each, tell us who you are, where you're from, and uh, what you guys do. Sure. Gab, you want to lead us off? Sure thing. So Kevin Leach, um, one of the co-founders here with Jake and Alex of Latitude Outdoors. I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm actually originally from here. Uh, I left for a little bit uh, for school. I went to the University of Michigan. I have an engineering background um, and then followed that up with a little bit of business education at, at uh, the University of Notre Dame. I have an athletic background, play football at U of M. It's kind of a unique feature about me. Um, met Alex and Jake in college. We can get into that a bit more. That's how we became friends, hunting and fishing buddies, and kind of how this whole thing got started. Um, but I'm one of the engineering minds on the, the three-headed monster here that you've got on the line. Um, spent the last seven years in the tech industry, um, corporate America, and uh, we'll happily say I am done with that, at least for the time being. So, <laughs> Smart man. Thanks for having us again. Happy, uh, pleasure to make the time. Yeah, we'll do it anytime. So, Jake, go ahead. All right. So, I'm Jake Metallic, one of the other co founders of Latitude. Um, like Kevin said, uh, went to University of Michigan. Uh, before that, grew up in the Grand Rapids area with these guys. Um, after U of M, spent about six years working in. Uh, manufacturing engineering. So, uh, you know, one of the other engineering minds of the team here. And uh, yeah, just grew up uh, hunting, fishing, just something I've always been drawn to. Um, I guess we've been doing this kind of thing forever. I, I remember uh, back in college, Kevin and I were trying to do an R&D project to uh, release a, a new type of broadhead at that one didn't quite pan out but <clears throat> i mean it's kind of been a, a long journey to get to where we are today here with this so it's uh it's coming together well and we're excited about it yeah and then uh so i'm alex chop uh my story is almost identical to Kevin Jake, so I'm not going to bore you with that. <laughs> Grand Rapids, Michigan, Notre Dame, big hunter, big fisherman. We're hunting and fishing buddies ever since we met, uh, and and that's kind of how Latitude Outdoors was was born. Um, I actually still have my day job. I work in medical devices. Um, hopefully, I love my job. But hopefully, uh, someday I'll make the jump like these guys. Um, but that kind of sums it up i handle a lot of our marketing stuff i help out with product development they do the uh the smart guy stuff i help out with some ideas i'm kind of your uh product concept tester i throw a bunch of shit at the wall and and see what sticks with these guys so i like it uh, i like it a lot so, so that's our in-house guinea pig if you see anything weird any any kind of odd products it probably uh came from my scattered brain um but anyway, that pretty much sums it up there. So how did this all start? Like, I know you guys went to college, but where did, where did it all latitude actually start and come from? A hotel room in Midland, Michigan. Oh, geez. This ought to be good. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of stories that start that way. They usually don't end up well. Yeah, it's that going to be a lot of different directions. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us? So in all seriousness, I, um, I was working for Microsoft at the time in a consulting type role. And I was spending my weeks up in Midland, Michigan in a hotel. I had a big customer up there uh, for a couple of years that I was working with actually Dow Chemical. Um, and Midland, Michigan is a small town. If you've never been there, there's not a lot going on. So it takes about one trip up there to run out of things to do. I love Midland, great people. So I'm not bashing it, but uh, it's just a small town. So um, the, and the way my mind works, it's always kind of ticking, uh, trying to you know, think of the next fun thing to work on. Um, and I had been hunting out of saddles for a few years, um, actually an old Anderson tree sling. So you can see some, uh, how some of those concepts were built into the method saddle. Ultimately we can get into that, but, um, 
you know, some of the new saddles started to come out, like the tethers and what have you around that time frame. And, and I tried them and I'd still preferred what I'd been hunting out of was, you know, basically this DIY version of an Anderson sling. So I had all the time uh, in the world in the evenings up there. So I just literally started making my own version. Um, I'd bring some seatbelt material that I had bought on Amazon or wherever I could find it up with me for the week. And I'd pin different things together and lay them across my body, see what looked like it might work, get home on the weekend, sew it together, hang from a tree in the front yard, and then repeat the process. Um, I did that for probably about four months. And then it started to kind of turn into a product and it felt like it was something that was a little different than what was out there and available. And I shared it with Jake and Alex and they loved it. Um, and, you know, they started to help out with that process, um, which ultimately was, I think, around 20 to 22 months, somewhere in there um, of development before we actually launched it as a product. And it's turned, you know, into a, a real company at this point in time. So, so we, I mean, there was a lot of time that went into that initial um, method saddle that we launched last year. Um, we expanded the testing out to a, a group of buddies of ours, um, you know, a network here within the state of Michigan for an entire fall. So we had, you know, over a dozen different people running these various versions and getting feedback on them. Um, and um, so, yeah, and then, I mean, it turned into a company. We tried to, we tried to do it the right way from the start, um, not just kind of turn a product on or try to sell it on Facebook out of our basement. We wanted to make sure we went through all the safety testing and uh, brought on a manufacturer here in the state of Michigan, um, you know, that could produce the quality we're looking for, that our customers are looking for. Um, and um, then Alex put his pizzazz on it, made it look cool. And uh, we we're off to the races. I'll tell you this though, Alex and Jake must really like you and must be really close friends if they trust you to come home from the hotel with something that you pinned up and then just wear it into a tree. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I, mean, I think I blew up about five sewing machines from Amazon before we went out and got an industrial sewing machine and took that apart. We, we bought it off of Craigslist, an old Juki sewing machine. So it's one of the old brands and these guys picked it up for me. I begged them to pick it up for me. They drove it across state, put it in my basement, and we had to figure out how to put it together and how to use it. And um, so, yeah, it's been quite the adventure. But that's kind of the early on. It was purely, we've always, as Jake mentioned here, he alluded to it, we've always been kind of playing with gear, building gear, modifying things. And there's a lot of guys that do that. Um, this one just, it started to get interest from other people. So we tried to see what we could do with it and um, really polish it and became the method saddle. That's awesome. Yeah, and Jeff, Jeff came home from Midland with something like this and, you know, <laughs> for whatever reason, and this is, this is a prettier looking version, I think here, <laughs> for whatever reason, some light bulbs started going off and uh, you know, that, that was the start. So what kind of makes your guys' saddles set aside from other saddles, like as far as some of the features that you guys have that other ones don't? Um, I guess that. I take this one. So uh, in the beginning, I guess the opportunity we really saw, and this is how I describe it to people, is uh, a modern two-panel design. So we had been familiar with the old Anderson sling, right? That's what we had played around with, hunted out of. Ultimately, we... Uh, used that and still favored tree stands for a couple different reasons. Uh, for me, I'm a hunter who wants things as simple and as fast and easy to use as possible. Everything I do is about eliminating steps, eliminating uh, any kind of uh, cumbersome process. And so the Anderson sling, uh, you know, anybody who's familiar with that understands that it can, it's, it, it can be a big mess right and um so when kev came to us with this prototype it resembled that it had some of the some of the benefits of the anderson sling but we felt that it was more user friendly more streamlined for people who want to move fast and um so that's the opportunity we really saw and that's what we wanted to to deliver and that's what we feel is one of our main differentiators uh the method is a two panel saddle that's as easy to use as a single panel saddle. And that was the ultimate goal with us coming out with that. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the two-panel design, one of the ways it really shines is that you can get a lot of support and, you know, a variation of body support in a two-panel saddle, yet you, you have a, a gap between the panels, so you really don't have – you're not really carrying or wearing – any more material than with a single panel saddle. And we tried a lot of different single panels versions on, on the market. And, you know, we were getting, after long sits, you get various forms of what they call hip pinch or just, mm -hmm. you know, general discomfort from sitting in the same position for, a, you know, a long time. And, you know, we, we recognize that the two panel definitely had an advantage uh, in that way. Um, and, and then we had this idea to take that two panel saddle and design the system that the method now possesses where the management of those two panels, instead of being something that's more complicated and cumbersome to deal with, it actually packs up into a very streamlined package that is actually more comfortable to wear into the woods while you're hiking and climbing the tree. So I think we, uh, I think we achieved that and, you know, our customers have been happy and we've enjoyed hunting from it. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's where we come to. One of the things that I kind of find is a problem with, with a single panel is this, like the scrunch, like myself, I have no butt. So I, I have nothing to like sit in inside of. Right. So like the whole yeah. panel kind of like scrunches up and I, I haven't sat in a two panel yet, but I could see where that those things kind of get eliminated with a two panel over a single panel. So yeah, if you're, if you're brand new to saddle hunting and there's still a lot of people out there that the whole concept is brand new to them. Um, there's kind of two types of saddles that are out there. There's one that we call a single panel cause it's one piece. It's a, it's kind of like a diaper, right? It's a harness. Mm -hmm. And then there's the it's a death diaper. Person. Don't ever call it. It's a, it's a death, death diaper. diaper. I know, that's <laughs> a, uh, social media terms, right? The death diaper. Um, it just makes me feel more of a man by wearing it. Take that thing and <laughs> cut it into two pieces. And, um, you know, you get, there's a lot of advantages to that because, you know, in the tree when you're wearing it, because you can put those on your body where your body type and your hunting style, when I say hunting style, how you like to orient yourself in the tree you know, where your body needs to support. And then the way ours kind of uh, is structured, you can then balance the weight in each of those panels just by adjusting the attachment location on the, what's called the bridge loop. Um, and that's just your ropes that go up to the trees effectively. We get into that more. Um, so that's always been kind of a big advantage of the two panel and the tree, but making it super easy and streamline and compact going through the woods. Um, as Alex mentioned, the old sling style two panels uh, kind of exploded in your hands, right? And you couldn't really wear them in because they were, you had straps of webbing dangling all over the place. So we got something that's, it's basically like putting on a weight lifting belt. And that's what it feels like, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's like we have no metal buckles or anything. It's a, you know, we can get into that. That's the nitty gritty features, but we've got this rope belt concept that's really cool. Um, and uh, it literally feels like it's not there walking in. You're not encumbered with leg straps and a bunch of other, you know, fabric bunching, yada, yada, yada. So um, getting to the tree in and out quick, fast, being able to move. And then once you're up there, you know, dialing in comfort so you can wait out whatever it is you're, you're targeting, you're, you're after to meet your goals. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. So that problem that you described with the material bunching, that was actually one of the main problems that we identified and that we wanted to fix because we were experiencing that and uh, it, it has, there's two issues with that. One, when that seat becomes smaller because the material is bunching up underneath you, you lose comfort. So that's problem oh, yes. one. The second problem with the material bunching is if your seat gets smaller, then it starts to ride up, ride up your back and just kind of slip off your butt, especially if you're somebody without a, without a, a big, big butt, right? Um, so we, we set out to solve that problem and, uh, I don't know who the heck came up, probably Kev, you know, we have those, we put in those rigid pieces of scuba webbing. Those are specifically there to eliminate the problem that you just described of that material bunching. So um, it's interesting that you picked up on that because that was a glaring problem for us that we wanted to fix. So, 
Yeah, and the other thing was like obviously being in saddles is is obviously the hip pinch. Like that's like a huge thing, and especially like someone like myself. Like when I'm out of state hunting, I literally will not leave the tree from the minute that the sun comes up to the minute the sun goes down, and being in the tree and saddle hunting. I mean, a lot of people are like, "Well, how do you sit in a saddle all day? How comfortable is it really?" You know, and it's you. Is it more comfortable than tree stand? No. Is it, you know, is it the same? Probably, you know, but you have to kind of adjust yourself throughout the day to kind of find things. So if you get into a saddle that has a lot of hip pinch or a lot of pull, it's, you're constantly moving around to try and find that, that comfortable place to sit. There's nothing worse than a saddle that you feel like you're sitting in a G string. (laughs) When it just slides up and you find yourself having to pull that back down to the bottom or the top of your thighs every 20 minutes then it becomes irritating. Yeah. Right. And then the single panel designs just in general, I mean, it's, it's more material to move. Like you can't really distribute your weight unequally throughout that system to make those type of adjustments, which is where, you know, we saw the potential of this, this two panel system, if it was made streamlined and, you know, managed properly when you're in the tree, if if you've been sitting for a couple hours and you're, you know, experiencing some discomfort, just as you would, if you're sitting in any kind of a chair for a long period of time without moving, I mean, it's super easy to just reach down and either slide, you know, the bottom or the upper panel up or down just a little bit, give yourself a different feel, a different fit, uh, and feel fresh again oh definitely and and that's one thing i i'm very curious and i look forward to the two panel just for the fact that you know you see these one panels go in and then they upsell you on the oh here's your back support you know yeah the the two panel it does that for you so yeah i mean it's that you know that's one of the the, the benefits that we loved, again, just back to eliminating steps in the process, eliminating gear that you have to carry in, eliminating setup time, moving fast, you know, all that stuff, uh, all, everything that we uh, identified as cumbersome steps in the process, we tried to eliminate and build into that method saddle. Um, so, you know, that was just another main advantage that we focused on. And when Alex says that we identified you know, he means that, you know, we, we gave these prototypes to as many hunting buddies and friends and family as we could to just basically take a massive survey on, you know, what different people's perspectives were on, on the design and and what issues they had. And, you know, we were very uh, strategic about that in trying to gather that data and really I focus in on what the general problems are problems with products aren't a secret anymore with social media too i mean there's a problem with the product (laughs) everybody knows which is kind of cool because you know uh i probably watch social media too much (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i do read i read all all the feedback that gets thrown out on saddle hunter on on facebook pages i read all of that and i and we take notes on it and we have tallies you know we keep count of how many times we see certain comments and so it's pretty cool because in the past before social media you'd have to do all this on your own but now you can just pay attention right pay attention to what's being put out there and um you know try to solve the problems that people are having some of that though, sometimes you probably have to take with a kind of a grain of salt because guys that have never really been in saddles or they don't oh, really sure. understand how to do something, you know, you or they don't have it. anything to compare it against. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's good and bad. I, I, you know, part of me really likes getting feedback from a new user because they just, they haven't been, you know, after a while you get set in your ways there's certain opinions that you have or, you know, something that may work for you and, and you're not really trying different things. A new user, if you hand them a saddle, they're going to show you exactly what the problem is, you know, because in that, that's something that we want our saddles to be as easy and as intuitive as possible because we, we want new hunters to 
you know, use our products. Um, so, but you're right. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of junk on social media too, you know, whether it's uh, working for, you know, people working for companies. And so you got to kind of sift through that, which is kind of what I was alluding to is sometimes it gets a little, you got to be careful, you know, you can read into it too much, but. And that's why I was saying it more or less. So like if somebody is on there reading, like what's wrong with this saddle or wrong with that saddle, you kind of got to take it with a grain of salt. Like obviously if there's a couple people saying it, then it's one thing, but if it's just one Joe on there bashing latitude saddles yeah. all the time, then it's obviously that he doesn't know what he's talking about or, or is, is, you know, against them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I like to do is if I see a negative comment about, you know, something that we've put out there, I'll, I'll ask them, I'll ask, can you explain that a little more and, and try to vet those, those comments? Because first of all, if there is a problem with our saddles, if, if somebody doesn't like something about our saddle, that's the information that we really, really want to know because all of this product development is about improving the product year over year over year. So um, I don't know. It's an interesting uh, game to play. Interesting process for sure. One thing that I've kind of noticed that you guys have done differently with your saddle over other saddles is the, the metalist type with not having any metal. Um, Cause yeah. you know, everybody kind of different saddles, they, they'll put the buckles in different places so they don't clink together or so on and so forth. But you guys have just legitimately just eliminated all metal. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of that. I, I don't like metal. I think it's mainly because I'm clumsy. <laughs> Uh, so I try to eliminate any, uh, risk factors in the woods. I mean, I walk through the woods like a bear, you know, I am not graceful. So, um, you know, there's certain scenarios, my, you know, one of our favorite things to do is sneak in as those thermals drop in hill country, but you have to get so close to make that happen that if you're not quiet, it's not going to work. I mean, you got to set up right, right underneath the deer sometimes. And uh, a little clink of metal can can ruin your whole hunt. So so we do believe in in reducing noise as much as possible. And uh, hunting gear, so much of it is metal. I mean, so sticks, tree stands. It, it's metal, in our opinion, really isn't the best material to be using in the woods if you're trying to be quiet. So we try to eliminate it. And yeah, I think there's nothing in the woods that's metal that's not man-made. So and and that's a valid point too because. Honestly, a lot of people, like especially saddle hunters, right? They're like, oh, you need a Kong duck or you need you need this carabiner or that. In all reality, the knot is actually stronger than having something that's metal. That's another that's another manufacturer thing that could go wrong, right? So it's almost a bonus to have metalist saddles with just knots. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we don't even uh, – well, I guess I don't know if – honestly, I don't know if these guys use the Kong ducks or the rolling locks – uh, our ropes all come with a, with a Swabish hitch, which is just a, a, a different Prusik knot, right? That's one hand adjustable. And um, I think these guys run that too. I certainly do. And it just, yeah. it's just quieter. Yeah, it's quiet. It's reliable. It's, it's strong. Um, and it's arguably easier overall to adjust for length in your tether or your lineman rope, you know, from loosening and tightening the rope than the mechanical ascenders are. I mean, the, the mechanical ascenders are pretty easy to cinch up and tighten the rope, but loosening them is kind of tricky sometimes. I mean, you, you kind of have to open that cleat and you may, you may free fall for you know, a couple inches before it bites again. So they're, they're a little finicky. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are kind of, if they weren't a boy scout or a, an avid climber or, or something like that, they're a little wary about knots. Cause I, I it, a rope is a rope. I don't know. I mean, it might just intimidate people or something, but you know, after, a couple minutes playing around with it. it. It's very, very simple. To be clear, we offer the ascenders too. So it's not like we're totally <laughs> against them. <laughs> you know, oh, no, no, no. I totally get that. 
the ascenders, the, this sounds like we're totally against them and we're not. We just do believe in, in, in removing metal from our system solely for the purpose of uh, eliminating noise, right? Um, so the ascenders are smooth. I mean, for me, the ascenders move up and down. They, they adjust a lot smoother than the, than the hitch knots, but um, I don't know. It's not worth the extra noise for me. See, but like so I, I told you last time we talked, uh, you don't see cruise ships anchoring with mechanical devices. They still use knots. Yep. So yep. if you can put a 280-ton cruise ship on a knot, it's probably going to hold if you tie it right. Yeah, and then, you know, talking about knots, you know, I, I think that the most important knot in our system, not most important, but uh, the biggest differentiator in our system that involves a knot is our waist belt. Uh, you know, we use a, a simple climbing knot instead of a, a metal buckle. And yes, it's quieter, but, but honestly, the, the, the problem we set out to solve with that was saddle sag. So we had issues with saddles slipping down, probably because we don't have, have butts or whatever. It just seems like certain body types struggle with that. They struggle, the, the buckles struggle to stay tight. Mm-hmm. So as you walk through the woods, you got to constantly be pulling up your saddle, <laughs> retightening your belt. And in, that I reminds me, remember. there there was two points during the Ohio hunt. I actually recommended to Trev that he wears a set of suspenders. <laughs> well, a lot of people are doing that, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so I don't even know how we stumbled upon that. I just know that we modified one of our saddles to see if we could get rid of the buckle because we all didn't like it, and out popped that that metal free belt. And um, now we don't even offer the buckles. To be honest, we totally discontinued them. So. Yeah, that was the buckles, they're all one inch size or, you know, you, you can buy a buckle for whatever size webbing width you want. Right. But not all webbing is the same. Some are thinner, some have a different weave, some are slipperier than others. And, and it's hard to find that perfect combination of buckle and webbing. And like Alex said, we were always, as you're hiking into the woods wearing your saddle and you've got gear suspended from your saddle those webbing belts on that buckle tend to wiggle loose and on top of that you've got a buckle we all i I wear a belt on on whatever pants i'm wearing hunting so having that buckle over another buckle isn't the most comfortable thing in the world either and I was I was getting so frustrated with the with the saddle sag that I was literally not wearing my saddle in. I would literally put it in my backpack, get to the base of the tree, put my saddle on because you have all of those layers on, right? So I'm I'm wearing a packable down pants and jacket, and it just it's a little bit slipperier. So like you can tighten your buck, buckle and it will stay, but it still slides. So you get so frustrated, and I would just take the thing off, put it in my backpack. And then I would hike in, especially if you're hiking on some of the public further, you're like, I don't want to deal with this for a half a mile or whatever you're going to do. So you just literally take it off and then put it on at the base of the tree. So it was just getting so frustrated. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's another thing that's going to be, you know, making noise and something you have to pull out of your pack and unravel at the base of the tree in the dark when you come going in the morning. It's just, it wasn't optimal for us. So. I mean, Kev, I think he carries in a lot of his setup on his saddle. I mean, don't you sometimes go in with just your saddle and your stuff, stuff in your pouches? Yeah. Yeah. I like to use climbing steps in early season and just, I have everything basically in a hip pack on the back of my saddle. Um, You know, a little bit different than running dump pouches, but something that is a little more uh, user-friendly in my eyes and you don't have things swinging around off of each hip as you're going through the woods, uh, that's kind of a different topic talking about packs and accessories, but, um, yeah, I do tend to carry my climbing setup and, and, um, I I usually don't run a platform actually. So I'm able to just carry my, my steps in my bag as well. So once I get to the base of the tree, it's a matter of just going up. It's not repacking and unpacking a bunch of stuff. And you hit on a great point. I think though, Trev, and, and you know, a lot of guys, the best days of the year are the coldest. So you're packing in layers and you're going to at least be getting partially dressed at the base of the tree, you know, unless you want to be a sweaty mess once you get there. And um, even if you wear, wear your saddle in one that goes on and off quickly and quietly, 
the, the latter probably being more important um, with how close guys are, you know, tending to try to hunt near bedded, bedded deer or, you know, deer coming back to bed. Um, that's a big deal, right? So not having to grab this buckle in this hand in this way and this buckle in this hand the other and gen gingerly step through and make sure the ones dangling underneath you don't clink. <laughs> you know, we, we just, we just got rid of that. That doesn't, that's, it's a nuisance. It's so smart. Yeah, and the method you don't even have to like, Kevin, you don't even have to take it off. You know, if you're getting dressed, if you want to wear it in and you want to throw your pants on at the base of the tree, your cold weather pants or jacket, you just loosen your weight belt on or loosen your weight belt up a little bit before you throw your removable leg straps on, throw your pants on, slide it down, throw your jacket on. You're, you're good to go. You don't have to fiddle around uh, at all. And, and I personally, I just do that once I'm up in the tree because usually I get to the base of the tree and I'm, I'm warm from walking. I might be sweating a little bit and I don't want to throw my warm clothes on, you know, without drying off and you know, venting out a little bit first. So I'll climb the tree and then just get dressed right up in the tree. No problem. But that being said, we don't really recommend that. <laughs> Not the safest thing in the world. So just as a side note. Especially especially newer guys that aren't yeah. aren't used yeah. to it and aren't, you know, because you can get kind of thrown off in the tree, right? Like yeah. especially two feet on the ground when you're putting pants on is a good yeah. thing. Yeah, it's a yeah, good yeah. Thing. I've definitely <laughs> done it and it's like, no, nope, no, nope. it yeah. can be tough. Um, so what actually comes with your saddle? So you can buy your saddles in a couple different ways. Uh, do you kind of want to go through what the options are just so that kind of everyone kind of knows? Uh, yeah, so our, we, we have two options. You can either buy the saddles on their own, uh, and then you can buy them in a kit. And the kit, it's very simple. It just comes with the saddle and then a lineman belt and then your tether. Uh, the lineman belt and tether are both set up with a uh, swabish hitch and a tender, uh, black diamond carabiners, their Oplux ropes, the Sterling TRC hitch cord. Um, so they're, they're very nice. Um, and um, so, yeah, those are the two configurations. So what else would somebody need if they were to, pur to purchase your system? Um, like, do you have to bring... Like, do they have to buy a dump pouch? Is that something separate? Does that come with the saddle? I mean, um, yeah, so the, the dump pouch is separate. It doesn't come with a kit. You can buy a dump pouch. Um, that's totally personal preference. There's a lot of people who just pack in their ropes. Um, dump pouches, uh, they're not my favorite thing in the world, so I'm not going to give them a big plug. But right. um, most people are carrying in their ropes in a dump pouch, right? Um, so yeah, dump pouch is nice. And then if you want one of the mechanical ascenders, you might need one of those. Uh, and then a, a platform and sticks, which we don't have yet, but we, we have them uh, in development and on the way. Um, that's all you really need, so. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a I like to explain it. if you're brand new to this, it, it's, it's way simpler than it looks first and foremost. You just gotta try it, but you need a five tool toolbox to get going your saddle your two ropes your method to go up and down the tree which is typically sticks if you're new especially if you're new to mobile hunting and then something for your feet so typically a small platform is best to make that transition from a tree stand that's awesome um so what are some of the differences between the method one and the method two that you've kind of changed um so we made a we made some minor changes uh, that, that we think have a significant impact, but we, and then we made one major change. Um, the minor changes, uh, let's, let's start with the bridge. So we switched the bridge from Oplux to Amsteel. Um, we felt, first of all, we had requests for this. Our customers wanted it, so we did it, but uh, we agree with them. You know, the, the Amsteel is lighter, it's more compact. The saddle felt great walking in before with the Oplux bridge, but with the Amsteel, it is just super streamlined um, and just, it's lighter. Um, we, we lengthened the bridge loops. So the bridge loops are very, very important because that's how you adjust where the pressure comes from in the saddle. So if you want more pull from beneath you, you can move your bridge loops down. The, the double Prusik on the bridge loops, you move it down. And then if you move it up, you can get more back support. 
Um, so we lengthen that area to give even, even further adjustment possibilities. Uh, we added a lineman belt loop, uh, not a lineman belt loop, I'm sorry, a male loop in front of the lineman belt loop. And this was, the, the goal of this was uh, twofold. One, we wanted to be able to move pouches forward a little bit, uh, making them more accessible. Uh, you know, you're moving your pouch forward probably, I don't know, four inches maybe, but it, it actually makes a big difference. Instead of being on the back of your hip, it's it's kind of sits more on the front of your hip. So it is nice. It's a little more, more accessible. Um, and then it gives you an extra accessory loop as well. So I actually carry my aider in there so I don't have to reach behind me when I'm climbing up and down the tree. I actually move my aider between sticks. So I'll move it, I'll, I'll grab it, stick it on this loop, climb, stick it on the next stick, etc. Um, and then we also have some, some new stuff coming out that'll, that'll integrate with those loops as well. Um, and then I guess the, the big change we made was we, we got rid of the clips. So on the previous method, the bottom panel attached to the top with some or some Kydex clips, we totally eliminated those. We, we integrated magnets into the saddle. So now it is just, it's way easier to use. Admittedly, admittedly, those clips were not perfect. They would they would click when you took your saddle off sometimes. They were just easy to catch, cumbersome. It turns out people lose them and break them all the time, which is a miss on us because we never experienced that in all of our testing running the saddle. So <laughs> I, we were probably being extra careful or something. Um, so anyway, it, it just, it makes it a lot easier to use. You don't have to worry about your clips. Um, and you can do it in the dark. You don't have to look at anything. You can, you can manage those panels with your eyes closed and it, it just, it makes a, a big difference. So, and, and I'll, I will be the first to applaud you guys on that magnetic addition because you. the one thing that absolutely annoys me with every saddle I've ever worn is when you go walking in the woods and you've got the leg straps and the diaper on and you know, it, and you get the sag and the droop and all of that crap. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to take and literally unsnap and come outside of my hips and snap it back in to do exactly what you're doing with the magnet. Yep. So congratulations on that, man. I saw that and I was like, I don't care about anything else on this thing that sells me. <laughs> the magnets is the big thing. It honestly, it's been a three year journey to get to the magnets in, in totality. I mean, all the other changes we made were, as Alex mentioned, kind of more minor, right? We we made some structural adjustments with the overall size hip to hip on the regular size is, you know, like three inches bigger, right? So that accommodates cold weather clothing a little bit better for that average to smaller guy. And then we also have a bigger size for the bigger guy or the guy that just wants the lazy boy, I guess. There's been a few of those already as well. Um, but the magnetic system took a long time to figure out and a lot of hours in the field, a lot of hours with our manufacturer. We've got three different sizes and shapes in there. Each magnet has a pull force of over 20 pounds. So you had to figure out how to do this in production at speed, what size and orientation, where to place them so the saddle orients itself without even having to look at anything, right? You can do this eyes closed. There's kind of a wow factor. It's pretty cool. Um, when you try it, you know, you lift it up and it just goes and snaps together and it's ready to go and it does it quietly. We had to figure out exactly how much material to put between the correct size magnets. So it was a, quite the juggling act of variables to figure out how to get this thing just right. Um, it, honestly, we've been excited about it for a while. We've been anxious and itching to get it out there. Um, but that last, that last piece was, you know, how do you do this fast in production? And we had to tweak that a little bit. Um, and we finally, I think we nailed it. Well, you know, we're getting good feedback thus far. That's our, we're obviously have a biased opinion on right. that, but um, it, we're biased because we know the amount of time that went into figuring that out. So it's been good thus far. Awesome. Awesome. I like it a lot. Well, boys, um, I do have one last question for you, unless you guys got something that we kind of missed on this, uh, anything else that you kind of want to shout out on, on the saddles or kind of what you guys got going on future endeavors, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, we, we like to take opportunities like this to just thank everybody. I mean, we don't get to talk to everybody we work with. So, uh, thanks to everybody who's supported us. I mean, you know, there were, 
so many people who bought our products last year. And that's the only reason the method two exists, right? Because we, we wouldn't have had the resources to, to do the, the new generation. So, uh, you know, the only thing I'd say is, is thank you to everybody who, who supports us and supports what we're doing. This is, uh, you know, kind of a dream come true for us. So every day we're very thankful. And, and that's because of everybody out there uh, following along with us and, and using our products. So we really appreciate it. And, it, you know, it looks, I, it's definitely sincere coming from you guys. You can definitely tell that you guys, I mean, that's a, that's a product that you got to stand behind in my, my opinion. Um, one thing I would definitely ask you guys is uh, what drives you guys outdoors? We'll go round circle on that one. So I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, so for me, I, I, I mentioned earlier, I've got an athletic background. Um, when sports leaves you, there's always a hole. Uh, if you're a competitive person like myself, I'm a very competitive person. <laughs> so um, I really didn't start deer hunting until after college. I grew up around it with it. My dad's been bow hunting, you know, public land in Michigan for 50 years. He used to take me out tracking every time he shot something, squirrel hunting, whatever. Um, but I just didn't have the time uh, until after college. And so when I kind of rediscovered it, it filled that void for me you know, immediately. So for me, what brings me out there is, you know, I, I'm a goal setter. Um, I like the challenge of, you know, going after whether it's a specific buck or a certain class of animal in a specific state, um, you know, whatever it is going into a specific year, you know, I, I like to set goals and then achieve them. For example, last year, I wanted to kill something in early October. I, mid-October got it done so I was close so you know this year I, I'm going to go for that again but um, you know for me it's just it's that scratching that competitive itch um, and it does it well because you were always learning and most of the time we're losing so uh, when you do finally win it's quite the rush. Yeah I would say for me it, it's very similar than that I, I think so my dad always says is he's like, there's nothing closer to that feeling of scoring a touchdown for your high school in a football game, you know, in front of all your friends and family, quite like, you know, getting a good buck on the ground. So, you know, there's that. And then there's uh, what were we talking about when we talked about this before uh, earlier? I mean, for me, it's, it's some, there's something different about, you know, getting out there in nature and with a bow in your hand. I mean, there's, there's nothing like it. I mean, you can go hike around and just kind of observe nature, but when you, you, you've got a bow in your hand, you're, you're really a participant in, in what's happening out there. You're, you're part of it. And, you know, there's, there's just something about that. Awesome. You know, I, I think for me, um, the, the, the main point here is the woods is just my happy place. It's my, it's my escape. I mean, uh, and it's always been that way. I mean, uh, for God's sakes, when I was in fifth and sixth grade, I uh, didn't go to school and went to an environmental school where the whole thing was outside. I just, I love being outside. I love hunting. I love fishing. Uh, you know, it's, you, you can make it whatever you want it to be. And, 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 I love that because you don't really have much else in life, whether it's work or whatever it may be, that's totally yours. Nobody's judging you. Nobody's setting goals for you. It's yours. It's your experience and you can make it whatever you want to be. And um, I love that. I love that about it. Awesome. Well, real quick, guys, the important question. Everyone who's listening is going to go and buy one of your saddles. So make <laughs> yeah. sure you tell them where to go to find them. Yeah, so uh, most of our communication is done on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Information-wise, we obviously have the website, latitudeoutdoors.com. That's where you can see all of our products, uh, purchase them if you like. Um, and you can also get a hold of us through there. We have a contact form. That's the best way to reach us if you have questions, comments, feedback. We love feedback. If you have our saddle, please send us some feedback so that we can always get better. Um, we also have an email list and that, and it, it won't be an annoying product email list. I promise there's gonna be just information about the products. We're gonna share some, uh, some, some hunting related information from some, we're working with some, some 
good good hunters you know we're going to share some strategy because we love that about hunting we love the strategy and we, we want to share that so um, that's another another way to connect with us if you want outstanding well thank you guys again for joining us on uh what's technically round two so i appreciate <laughs> you guys ha handling <laughs> the uh the struggles and uh all the the reality of doing this but uh, no worries man we we've been looking forward to it and we really really look forward to uh getting hands on and being able to show everybody what it is you know and and give everyone our perspective because from what i'm seeing is this it'll be a game changer i mean it's unique it's something you don't see and, and in reality from my personal opinion you can quote me but don't quote anyone else this is <laughs> two years ahead of what every other company's doing. Wow. So we really appreciate that. Everyone yeah. needs to check you guys out. They need to get on there. And if you're interested in getting involved or if you're trying, just looking to try something new, this is your option. I'm telling you now. So we appreciate that. We appreciate that, Steven. Thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. And it's, it's going to be, a long, fruitful adventure for you guys, and I can't wait to see what you guys come out with next. So, we're not done can... for this year. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, see, then oh, you go and you do that. See, then you go and do that. This year's not over for us. <laughs> we're just getting started. Oh, uh, we like to hear that. Piggybacking what Alex said earlier, we took everything every customer spent with us last year and retooled for this year. So, we got more coming. <sighs> My uh -oh. wife's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I think a that's, lot of people. <laughs> that's a good problem to have, guys. Appreciate that. Yeah. So if you're listening, check these guys out. Go and get you a saddle. Get involved. And uh, until then, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks. Thanks.